Good evening, everyone. How about we stand up for a prayer? Thank you. Father, we give you the glory, the praise, the thanksgiving, and the honor. We thank you, Christ, that you are the Lord of all, that it is you who gives peace, it is you who gives hope, it is you who gives true joy and gladness, it is you who allows us to enter into your rest because you, Jesus Christ, are our rest, and we thank you for this. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, your Son, may you bless the word tonight. Bless me, for I am in need of you. We are all in need of you. We are all in need of the gospel, the glorious gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We are in need of your word, and may your word be alive and active, for it is. It penetrates through our soul and spirit, through our bone and marrow, and we thank you, my God, that your word is alive and it is active. May it be active in our hearts, may it be active in our minds, Lord. Convict us where we need a conviction. Encourage us where we need encouragement. Guide us, for we all need guidance, and your word is able to do so. Holy Spirit, help us. Make me small as I preach, and make yourself big. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Forgive us, for we all need forgiveness. Cleanse us, for we all need cleansing, my God. Be with us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm sure all of you have already reviewed some of the questions, the four questions that you saw, and we will not be reviewing them any further. However, I would like to read the passage yet again. It is Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 says these words. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, that they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. As we read this text, there are three matters that come up, three truths, three things, whatever you may call it. If we look at this title, it reads the words, Need to practice with humility to receive reward. So first, the need to practice. Jesus Christ said, beware of practicing your righteousness. So, practicing is needed. So one, need to practice. And it's not just a one-time thing. It's constantly. It's always constantly practicing. Two, humility. As we read in the text, we see that humility is within the context. Though the word humble or humility is not there, the thought is, the process is. So humility, because you don't see nor do you tell others what you are doing. And three, reward. It is God who rewards. Man can only reward with words with lips. They can give you the reward by speech, by what they say, but it is God 
who gives the true and real reward. So let us remember this. The need to practice with humility to receive a reward. And that goes to the first point. Need to practice. Let's go further into it. I want several of you to volunteer to read. Who wants to read out loud? It's only a verse, so I need about six or seven of you. I want this to be more of a, of a Bible study. I, I don't want this consumer-based mentality. All of you just listen. Let's all be in it together. Who would like to read? Especially back row back there, maybe over here on this side. Hands up. Okay, Ali, can you read 2 Corinthians 9-7? Who's next? All right, Dave, can you read Romans 12-13? Who's next? One more hand. Okay, Joey. Joey, read Hebrews 13, 16. Who's next? All right, back there. Tim, can you read Colossians 3, 9? And then from there, 1 Timothy 4, 15. Who can read that one? All right, Vlad, thank you. Philippians 4, 9. Who can read that? Any more back there? Okay, thank you, Nick. And Acts 20.35. Who can read that? Let's have a sister. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So let's, Ali, we'll start with you. And let's just go in order, all right? Whoever got the verse, just go down from it. So, Ali, please stand up and read out loud. Thank you. And that sums it up with the book of Acts 20.35. It is better to give than to receive. What is the common common thing that we heard through all these passages, the, the common word or the common theme is do these things, practice these things, seek to show hospitality, what you have learned, what you have seen from me, what you have learned and do as well. And what else do we hear? God loves a what kind of giver? Cheerful, not a grumpy one. He likes a, he loves a cheerful giver. All right, so we look through these things and practice giving. We ought to practice giving. Why? Just because the Bible says so? If I were to ask you, you're a Christian. Why do you suppose to, why are you supposed to practice giving? What, what would your response be? All right, we go on further. Why practice hospitality? Why practice sharing? Why practice our faith? Why are, why are we supposed to practice our faith? Well, Scripture teaches us actually to practice our faith. If we don't practice our faith... What do we practice? No faith. If we're Christians, we practice Christianity. We're Christians because we practice Christianity. It's simple. If we don't practice Christianity because we're not Christians, what are we? One of the passages we read was, lay aside your old self and the evil practices that were with it. So we, lo we, we laid aside our old selves. Well, because earlier we weren't Christian, and now we are Christian. 
I want to sum it up with Acts 20.35. The writer of Acts, Luke, said, Jesus Christ himself said, it is better to give than to receive. Why? Why is it better to give than it is to receive? Who here has ever received a present? Raise your hand. Okay, good. All, all of us have. Who here has ever given a present? Who here likes to give presents? Okay, good. We all do. I'm, I'm glad. That's good. I want to I ask you now, what are some practical examples then to give? To practice giving. I want to share one. When we were children, when I was a small child, it's probably one of my earliest memories. I think I was three years old. We lived with, uh, there was about nine of us or 12 of us inside a 1,200 square foot home here in Tacoma. And I remember distinctly, one day, the doors opened and in came Santa Claus. And with Santa Claus came a whole train of people. There was probably about eight or nine of them. And they were all bringing presents. And uh, they came up and they began to give us gifts. With my name on it. I didn't know it was my name. I just knew it was given to me. And I was so excited. And all my siblings were all so excited. I remember my mom crying. And uh, we actually took a photo with Santa Claus and with all these people. And all those people in that Santa Claus, they were actually from a, from a trucking company. And they adopted a couple of families and they gave presents to those who were less fortunate, I guess you can call it, or less materially, materialistically blessed. But I remember that as a child. And so growing up, thinking back and remembering, I had this desire to start giving on Christmas to people who don't have what we necessarily have. have has anyone ever done that? Yeah? What do, you, what do you feel when you do that? You know, when you begin to give, it's almost as if it's not that we're earning something. God changes our heart when we begin to think of others and give to them. When we start practicing giving, it's not a one-time thing. Imagine a person says, well, I gave one time. I'm done. This, this uh, marriage counselor one time, he was, he was counseling a husband and a wife. And the wife was saying, my husband never gives me flowers. And the counselor said, has the, your husband given you a bouquet of flowers at least one time? And she said, yeah. And he said, well, you can't say never then because he at least gave it to you one time. But to her, she thinks it's never because it's not often enough because the husband doesn't practice giving his wife flowers. And so as, as age goes on, the older I got, Christmas time comes around and we begin to give. And it's not just me and my family that give it's my siblings and their children. It's my children. We get together and for last Christmas, we adopted an orphanage. Now, I know scripture says, don't, don't brag. Don't blow the trumpets and, and sound the alarms that you're giving. I want this to be an example for you to take. My family and my siblings and all their children, my children, we adopted an orphanage 
to give them Christmas presents. And so there was about 30 to 40 of them in the orphanage. And we all split it up amongst ourselves. I said, we'll say, we'll take three or four boys. The other siblings said, we'll take three or four boys. And so we went and we bought them their Christmas, lit, with Christmas wish list. Right? They don't have anything. We have everything. And so we send them the presents. And it's not just there. It's here locally. It's, it's everywhere. My child, Jehu, is four years old, but he came into the house and he began to give presents, his toys to me. He said, Dad, I don't need this toy. We can give it to boys who don't have toys. And we can give these toys to other children who don't have toys. What's happening there? He's seeing an example of giving, of practicing giving. It's not one time. It's constantly. It's always. You're giving. You're giving. You're giving. You're giving. And if you think, I gave enough. No, that heart continually needs to practice to give. Get in the habit of giving. You don't need to go as big as, as adopting an orphanage overseas. But when the church basket goes around, put something in there. You may say, well, I don't know what the church is wasting the money on. That's not your problem. Your problem is your heart. It's your own heart. And you're going to answer before God. He's going to ask you, did you give or did you not give? Did you share or did you not share? Did you practice or did you not? That's the questions we're going to be asked. We're not going to be asked what we thought about the church management skills or whatever. We're going to be asked what we did, how our actions were, what we were doing. And so I want to ask you and encourage you, are you practicing giving? Are you practicing sharing? Are you practicing seeking where you can show hospitality? Are you practicing where you're seeking to give to someone? And if you don't have finances, is it possible to give encouraging words? You know, it's so hard, but to, sometimes for people to say something nice to one another. But how much more value is that than to do nothing? Sometimes kind words and encouragement goes way further than a dollar or five or ten. Because we're all in need of it. We're all in need of it. All right, let's, let's keep moving on from need to practice. I hope you all understood that scripture teaches us to constantly practice, constantly give, constantly share. Let's move further. How are we supposed to do it? We're supposed to do it with humility. Why, why, why practice with humility? Is it just to receive a reward from God? What, is, what does Matthew say over here? It says, For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven if everyone sees your righteousness. You're giving. So do we give in secret so that we can just receive a reward? Or what is it for? Why, why are we supposed to give in secret? Why are we supposed to be humble about what we do? And if we do not practice with humility, I want you to understand that we practice with pride. That's the bottom line of this. If you don't practice giving, you don't practice sharing with a humble heart, with a secret, in secret, if you're not doing it in secret, you're going to swell up with pride. 
Just like the Pharisees, Christ said, what do they do? They walk around in synagogues and on the streets and they blow their trumpets. You can imagine the picture where the Pharisee is taking his bag of money or whatever it may be and he's walking and he's saying it out loud. Everybody look. Everybody look what I'm about to do. And so the train behind him walked around and blew the trumpet and blew the trumpet. And everybody knew, oh, here's a person who's going to come and donate to the temple a large sum of money. Everybody look at him. What kind of praise did that person receive? He received the pat on the back. Good job. Wow, you're so good. Wow, you gave so much. Wow, wow, what kind of reward is that? You know, it's like empty compliments. They're, who needs an empty compliment? Just be sincere. Be open, be honest. But that's what the Pharisees were doing. And so they swelled up with pride. They're walking around and everyone's looking at them. You know, that's how the world gives. Did you ever notice how celebrities give? They walk around and then they have their, I don't know, attorneys and secretaries and then their accountants. Sign me off. Sign me off. Let everybody know what I'm doing. Let everybody see what I'm giving. Oh, I'm giving away cars. And I'm giving away, ooh, What's the big deal? What's the reward? There's no reward. There's no reward in that. It's a show. That's what it becomes. That's what it comes down to. But when we're supposed to give, we do it in secret with humility so that nobody sees, so that nobody knows. Isn't that more interesting? I'll ask you, if you give, don't you want to be in secret about it? Or no? Let's go on third line. It is then not about the receivers. It is about us. And it sounds entitling, does it? That references back to the first line. When we're giving and everybody sees what we're giving and everybody knows what we're doing, it's a pride thing. It's not about the person who is receiving. It's about us showing how great we are. It's about us saying, see everyone, look how great I am. I'm giving to the poor. I'm sharing with the needy. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I deserve all the best of words and all the attention and absolutely everything else. All of a sudden, the heart is not a generous heart or a giving heart. The heart is conceited and deceived because it's entitled all about itself. Do you notice the difference? When the person is selfish and they give just for a show, when the person is giving and tells their neighbor and friend, see how good I am, it's about themselves. It's not about the person who's receiving. I want to ask you this question. Have you ever heard the comment, life is not fair? Have you ever heard of it? Or no? Or is it just me? No, we all heard of it, right? Guys back there, did you ever hear that comment? Life's not fair? Is this a true statement or a false statement? Very true. True or false? True. Why is it true? Who thinks it's false? Who thinks life's pretty fair? I think it's a true statement. Life's not fair. Why is life not fair? Well, 
Why is life not fair? Almost sounds like we're like in philosophy or something, you know? <laughs> uh, but that's not the point. Life's not fair because you're born with sight and someone else is born blind. Life's not fair because you have hands and legs and someone's born without limbs. Life's not fair that all of us are living in one of the greatest nations that ever existed in the world, and you have absolutely everything at your fingertips, and some are born in slums. Life's not fair that you have a mattress in the, and, po and possibly your own room. And if you don't have your own room, you can use your own private bathroom in your house. And some don't have that. Life's not fair that many of you have parents, and so many are poor, born without parents. Life's not fair that you're born in a household where your folks love you. And so many are born in a household that's torn apart where they have no parents. Life's not fair, isn't it? There's the story in India. You, you listen to some missionaries who share stories where they take the child that's born and they break the limbs, they break the legs break the arms, they make him crippled so that the crippled child can sit at the corner and beg for coins. That's not fair. It's not fair that we are so well off and so many are so poor. It's not fair. So if you sometimes victimize yourself and think, life's not fair, think of other people. We, we received this newsletter it's called Shared Hope International. What that organization does is it saves women, girls, and, and boys at times from sex trafficking. And some of the stories you read, it's horrific. Life's not fair that we're born in a safe environment and so many are born in a non-safe environment. So if someone were to ask you, life's not fair, would you say that's true? Okay, let's keep looking. Life's not fair that someone is born with a, with a parent who is so intellectual and, and has a talent with music and passes it and disciplines and teaches the child and the 14-year-old child from that parent is musically gifted, talented, and was taught that. Well, it's not fair that some are smart and, and some of us aren't as smart. You know, we can keep going on and on and on. But the point is this. As we continue, there's something between humility and pride. When a person thinks of only themselves and not their neighbor, what tends to happen? They don't share. They don't give. They begin to think of only themselves. And that's a pride issue. Oftentimes we hear that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed because of their homosexuality and their perverseness, but that's not true. The book of Ezekiel says that they were destroyed because of their pride, because they were overfed, and because they did not look to the needs of their neighbors. Did you know that? That's what Ezekiel says. When you get those three things, what do you get from those three you get people who begin to divulge, get into sin. They begin to 
lust and lust grows and grows and grows. When we see these three things, we see pride versus humility. What is pride? God hates pride because pride thinks of only themselves. I can do all things. I'm so great versus humility. I need help. Help from who? Help from God. I need help from God. And so a humble person begins to share because they understand that there wasn't, it's not all about me. I'm in need just as that person is. Here's a comment. One billionaire lady, or a wife of a billionaire, was telling another friend of hers who happened to be a wife of a billionaire, says, you know, I really want to help poor people. I just don't know where they are. She hung out with her other friends so much that she didn't care to look with her open eyes to those around. Here's a question to you. Are your eyes open to those around you? Or are you so prideful that you don't see those who are near to you, who need help? Are you so prideful that you're caught up in your own thinking, in your own life, in your own desires, in your own goals, in your own ambitions, that you don't see that there's a neighbor who needs help? A simple word of encouragement, at least. Something given to them, shared with them. Let's continue on. So when we give, we give in secret. We give in Humility, right? Amen? Amen. All right, let's move on. And now rewards. I want to focus on this because rewards are given by God. Men's rewards are worthless. Have you ever received a compliment that meant absolutely nothing? Yeah, I have. I guess I'm maybe one of the only ones I know. I saw a couple people. But people sometimes come up and give these I don't know how to, empty, empty comments, empty compliments, empty fake um, words. Okay, that's not really a reward. But let's look at another thing, appreciative, kind words, words of affirmation. Is that a reward? No, that's different. That's an encouragement. That's a good thing. Words of affirmation are good. If you see someone do good, what do you do? You say, good job. God bless you. You mean it. You're sincere. Your spouse, your friend, your sibling, whoever it may be. Words of affirmation. We all like to receive words of affirmation. But that's not a reward. That's not a reward. Rewards are different. So don't think, oh, I can't say good job, or I can't say God bless you, or I can't affirm with kind words. No, you're able to. That's not a reward. Let's go back to the text. The Pharisees wanted what? They wanted praise. They wanted attention. They wanted absolutely everything. All the spotlights on them. They didn't care about kind words. They just wanted people to think how great they were. That's different than words of affirmation. We all need words of affirmation, don't we? Yeah? Amen? So, let me ask you a question. When was the last time you gave kind words of affirmation to someone, to your parents, to your siblings, someone. You know, to encourage, did you know that's one of the gifts of the Spirit, right? So I believe it's in Romans chapter 12, it's Spirit of Encouragement. 
But going on rewards, I want to read these three texts, and I want to study them. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 24. That's 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 24, says these words. The sins of some people are conspicuous, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. So also, good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. What does this mean? What does conspicuous mean? It means going before them. See, sometimes we think, well, we do good works, right? And we do it in secret, do it in secret. But after some time, three years, four years, five years, ten years, they're fruits, they're evidence of what we have done. And they start going ahead of us. And Timothy says the same, Apostle Paul says the same thing about sin. Sin is also conspicuous. A person who's living in sin, does their action, do their life, their actions go ahead of them, go before them? Is it evident? Of course it is. It's shown, it's seen. A person who's living in sin, you begin to see it because the, the decisions they've made starts to be evident. It starts to show. But same thing with good works. You know, I used to think, well, I'm going to do good, 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 and no one will ever know. There will come a time people will know. All right, let's keep going on. All right, so good works are conspicuous just like bad works are. Let's keep going on. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 through 15. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. It says these words. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. For the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. What does this passage speak about? Well, this passage speaks about rewards, works foundation. Who's the foundation that Apostle Paul speaks about here? That's right, Jesus Christ. He is our foundation. How is he our foundation? You believe in Christ as your Lord and Savior, he becomes your foundation. And you built upon him. With what? With objects, with material. Apostle Paul says some build with stones, precious stones, some build with silver, some build with hay and straw. And so it says that there will come a day that it will reveal how you built upon Christ. So then imagine this, life ends, you stand before God, all of us will stand before God, and all our works that we've ever done here on earth will be tested by fire. 
It's going to go right through the fire. If it burns, that means it was built out of what? Wood, hay, or straw. If it doesn't burn, it was built out of what? Precious stones, silver, gold. So here's a question for you. Some of us say that rewards aren't important. Yes, I understand we're saved by grace, by Jesus Christ. And our works cannot save us. Our works are evidence that we belong to Christ. But our works will all be tested in heaven. And so we're going to stand before Christ. He's going to test our work. And if we did good, he gives us a reward. If we built with wood, hay, and straw, we don't get a reward. We're still saved because the foundation is Christ. But our work was burned up. It was worthless. That means we built it on wood, on hay. That means we built it for maybe our own selves. We gave and we told people. All of a sudden, that's not stone or precious stone or gold and silver. That's wood, hay, and straw. You received your praise from men. You won't receive your reward. But when you do things in secret, Christ will reward you on that day. It's not right now. It's later on. And all our works will be tested by fire. All of it. All the work. Why we did what we did, why we were science school teachers, why we didn't do this, why did we do that, why we, all the intentions, everything will be tested. Nothing will be hidden before God's sight. I want to read my last passage, Revelations chapter 14, verse 13. It says these words, Revelations chapter 14, verse 13. It says these words. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds will follow them. What will follow them? Their deeds, what they've done. They will follow them. Let's picture this. Have you ever been at a funeral? Yeah, all of us have. What's spoken about the person at a funeral? Their deeds, what they've done. And so we always hear, this person was so good. They did this, and they did that, and they did this. And they gave here, and they were generous here. Let me ask you a question. Imagine your funeral right now. Imagine you're dead. You're in a casket. You're looking at yourself. What would people say about you? Would they say, oh, she was so nice. She was so generous. She was so kind. She gave everything. Or would they just stay silent because there's nothing good to say? What will your funeral look like? I know you're thinking, well, I'm young. I'm not thinking about funerals. But this is a good gauge for all of us to see. What would people say about me? Because that's exactly what you're doing right now. Would they know you as generous or would they know you as stingy? Would they know you as kind and encouraging or would they know you as someone who's bashful, who spoke ill, who gossiped, who slandered? Would they know you as a person that was one who prayed 
or they know you as a person, as one who didn't pray. All this will be evident. As we read, our works are conspicuous. They go before us. They'll be evident one day. And you know what? Newsflash, all of us will die one day. All of us. All of us. Personally, when I'm at my funeral, when I'm dead, and I always tell this to my wife, I, say, I want people to remember me as generous, as kind, as someone who loved God and spoke of his word highly, who stood beside God's word. This is personally what I want. So what do I do now about it? I practice it, right? Because our works will go ahead of us. Now let's, let's review and conclude. So we need to practice with humility in order to receive a reward. Question is, how are you practicing? And what are you practicing? Are you a Christian or are you not? James stated these words, show me your faith and I will show you my works. And James concludes, he says in the book of James, that works are evidence of your faith. Abraham believed God, and so he went to the land of Canaan. So Abraham was, what? His, his faith was credited to him as righteousness. He believed God, so he did it. All right, we have God's word. We believe it. Do we do what God's word says? We're saved by grace in Jesus Christ if we believe in him. But are we doing it? So works accompany faith. And if you are not a giver and if you do not practice, then I'm not going to apologize, but you're not a Christian. You're not practicing. That what Christ practiced himself. That what Christ taught. What did Christ do? The ultimate thing that Jesus Christ himself ever did for us. Did you know that Christ came down to earth? He left heaven. He left his father. He came down to earth and died on the cross so that you and I could live with him there for eternity. He gave his life up for you. He gave his life up for me. Do you believe it or not? Do you accept it or not? And so we sometimes wonder, are we supposed to be givers? Of course we're supposed to be givers because God the Father gave his son so that we can all have life if we believe in him. John 3.16 is so clear. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, as I read Scripture, what I see in God's Word is a common theme. We're supposed to be givers, not receivers. We're supposed to be those who share, not the ones who always take. We're supposed to be the ones who share the good news, the gospel of Christ. We're supposed to help the needy. Let me ask a question. Have you ever seen an atheist establish a hospital? I haven't. I've never seen any atheists start up a hospital. It's all started up by who? By Christians. Because why? A Christian who understands Christ, who's been revealed by Christ. Christ revealed himself to them. They understand that God gave them everything. And so the Christian begins to give and give and give. Now, Scripture teaches that we ought to be hard workers, givers, and sharers. Are you a hard worker? I, I, it's so simple as that. 
work. The Bible teaches work so that you can share with those who are in need. It doesn't say work and grab everything for yourself under your mattress and buy whatever you want for yourself, for yourself. No, share with those who are in need. Most of the times it's the people who lived through a harder time, a time when they were in need, they grew up and they began to give. They began to share because they knew how hard it was at that time. So here's a question. Are you giving or are you not? Do you understand that Christ gave to you everything? And if you understand, are you giving to those around you? Examine your life. See where you are. Scripture teaches us to test our faith. Test your faith. Where are you in the body of Christ? Or are you not in the body of Christ? Or are you just one of those people who always wants to take, take, take? What are you giving? What are you contributing at your own cost? Or are you not? I want to end with this last uh, parable Christ shared in the book of Matthew, chapter 25, about the ten talents. We all are familiar with this parable. One person received five talents. One person received two talents. And one person received one talent. They all received something. And then it says, after a long journey, the master returned to see the one who earned five, who had five, earned five more. The one who was given two, earned two more. What's, when we look at that, both worked at 100%. Both doubled. The ratio was the same for both of those. But what about that one who was given that one talent? What did he do? He went, he buried it. He put it in the ground. He didn't do nothing with the talent that God gave him. And so the master asked him, where's the talent? The old master, I knew you're a harsh man, sowing where you did not sow and reaping where you did not reap. So I buried it. Here it belongs to you. But what did the master say, you wicked and lazy servant? You knew that I'm a harsh man. You should have at least given it to the bankers and received interest on it. Did you notice that's how long the master was gone? That's how long. Don't think that life could end. It could end tomorrow. But God gave us life. And we're looking at life 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 years. What are you doing right now that's compounding for God's glory? What are you giving right now? What are you sharing right now for God's glory? Eventually we know that our life will end and we're going to be asked, what did you do? We believe in Christ, glory to his name. We're saved. However, the question will be asked to each and every single one of us, what have you done? Where have you given? Where have you shared? Please, remember these words. Consider them. If you don't know Christ, accept him, love him, follow him, and work for him, serve him. Let's stand up for prayer.